So John, if you were going to rob a place, where would you rob? How would you prepare? And how would you do it? Well, the obvious answer would be to rob your place, because I know your schedule better than anyone else in the world. Okay. Harry, do you want to do a podcast tonight and then you are not here? Yeah, basically. I could just invite you for a podcast recording and then go around to yours. Although I can't think of anything you have that I want. Yeah, that's what, that was my next question, <laughs> yeah. was why, why me? Yeah, there's not much. Maybe, actually, a bit of insurance fraud. Maybe we could rob myself uh, and then make okay. a good, good old claim on it. Sure, yeah, yeah so. because you know, that's never In gone fact, wrong for anybody. I would rob my own place, pin it on you, and claim the insurance back. Perfect. I mean, why pin it on me? Because you're here more than anyone else, so you'd be the easiest person to pin it on. I invite you around for a podcast, say, all oh, my keys under the mat or something. Mm-hmm. You let yourself in. Oh, where's John? If you yeah, but if you give your keys to somebody, that's that. Oh, I'll just say all the doors they're, unlocked. They're not going to pay. Out. They're not going to pay out. You need to have mm. your door locked. Well, they don't need to know that though. I, I think your plan's flawed. Really? Yeah. Oh well, you're safe for now then. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels, and spin-offs to films that don't have any. This is actually part two of our big crossover episode with Two Geeks, Two Movies. So, we have Ross on. Hello! And we have Harry from Two Geeks, Two Movies. Hello! And then, obviously, Beyond the Box Set, there's me, Harry, and there's John. Hello! Yeah, um, does that count as two guests if you're from Two Geeks, Two Movies? Yeah, I'm a guest. A guest on your own podcast? Yeah. Does that yeah. mean I'm in charge this week, since you're merely guesting? No, because he's also hosting. I mean, mm. I also just read the intro, so I've, I've done my bit. Yeah, sure. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's uh, a fair point. Yeah, whatever. You can be in charge from now, John. Yeah. I don't I, want to be I, Am I your first double returning guest? No you're, was... you're, no, you're our first triple. I mean, I'm double returning, though. Oh, uh, okay. Am I... Because I, I was the first returning guest, so, and your first returning guest. Why don't you just say first triple? Is that, I have to be so Because I'm double returning. You said returning guest. You're double weird, double Ross. <laughs> I, would, I think very you'll find out triple weird. Uh, oh yes, because this is your third episode. Yeah, you are definitely the first one to hit three. I've forgotten the order. I, I did good, uh, the bad, and the ugly, and then um, it's a wonderful. Life. It's wonderful. Life. I couldn't remember the order. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason why I picked this one is because it's made by the person who considers good, the bad, and the ugly their favorite film. Tarantino. That yeah. makes sense. Ah. Great. Oh, so okay. if, if you haven't worked it out from what we're talking about, and also the title of the show, you probably clicked on today's Pulp Fiction. Yes. So, so why did you choose Pulp Fiction? Partly because of the connection to the last one, like I said, Quentin sure. Tarantino. Also, I just think it's a really good film mm-hmm. that I want to talk about. And it is ripe for pitching sequels to because it's multiple stories and multiple characters sort of woven together. And you can jump off from any one of them or several of them. Or I think it's one of the richest worlds in a movie I've ever seen mm. that is also the real world. Do you think this film needed to be thrown out of sync? I don't know. I think it works very much as an anthology. Mm-hmm. So instead of showing it in a chronological order mm-hmm. and therefore jumping between plot points from character to character to make sure it stays in time, mm-hmm. it tells us one character's story mm-hmm. and then it tells us another character's story. Yeah, you got to jump back and then you overlap and stuff, but it's three stories which overlap, but each one is told as well as it can be in the correct order in the correct flow mm-hmm. if that makes sense 
Yeah, I think the way it's set out is kind of a key to why it's so entertaining, because part of what makes it fun is to kind of see how it all loops in on itself. Yeah. And it's something that you see a lot. You see the same plot, but from different perspectives. But yeah, you could definitely play this film in chronological order, and it would be probably a fine, slightly generic kind of crime film. Yeah. But the fact that it does have this circular quality, and you keep looping back to different scenes, and you see, oh, that's why they were dressed like that in that scene. Mm-hmm. Or, of course, the most obvious example being the cold open with the two characters, Honey Bunny and Pumpkin. Yeah. And then you don't see them again till the end, but then mm. they become important to the final scene. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so it just makes it more compelling and more entertaining. I think. Also, two of the characters were together for big sections of it, mm. and we see what they consider important in those scenes. Mm. When Vincent's telling the story, we practically skip over the guy coming out and shooting at them and missing. Yeah. When Jules tells it, that's where the story starts mm. because that's crucial. Ah, uh, so what they're telling story. story are they? Yeah, I didn't think of it like well, that. I, I, I mean, I don't see it as they're narrating it or anything like mm. that, but it's kind of from their point of view. Their point of view, yeah, because they are the eye of the story from then on. Mm. You know, the Vincent story. It's not Mia's story; it's Vincent's story. Pretty clearly, he's yeah. the eye of the story. But then, when Vincent and Jules are together. Jules is the eye of the story, I think. Mm-hmm. He's the protagonist for that bit. So it considers what the protagonist would think is important. Mm. Rather than them as narrator so much, but them as the, the protagonist of that bit. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what it was going for. Now, what did you think of the way it was chronologically organised? Uh, for bits of it, I was finding it a little unnecessary. It was just adding something slightly more complex to the plot. Mm-hmm. It felt like the stories have been written and then Tarantino went, okay, which one has the biggest climax to the story? Sure. Let's make that the climax of the film. And then, oh, that means that's kind of in the middle of the story, so I have to do it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's if it was written a bit differently, like the biggest climax would be Bruce Willis and Ving Rhames under the shop, because that's one of the last moments of the of the film chronologically. Yeah. Yes. And that could in itself have a lot more tension than the scene actually did mm. and could work as the film end. And so the film I reckon could work told linear linearly. In a linear fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Would that be better, do you think? Or like, did I, the chronological thing annoy you? It sounds like it annoyed you. I think it'd be messy if you did that, because you have mm. to jump around so much. Because you have to tell Vincent and Jules' story. I think you only have to jump around as much as much as a normal film jumps around. Whereas Tarantino classically doesn't jump around. He'll do a chapter, which will be like a half hour or 45 minutes based on just one set of characters. And then he'll go to another chapter. Look at Inglorious Bastards, for example. Yeah, or Kill Bill actually set out very much in chapters. I, I don't know as well, but yeah, that very much just keep one thing separate to another. Yeah. Whereas in most other films, you'll have scenes that last a couple of minutes as a long scene. Mm. But I think I kind of agree with Ross about the sense of that each chapter is a certain character's story. Mm-hmm. Because... If you think about it, in terms of like, the, what's the most dramatic, surprising thing that happens in the film? It's probably John Travolta dying. Mm. But when, in that scene, it happens. It's shocking because it's like, if you don't know what's going to happen, obviously, it's shocking because you don't expect that character to, to die before the end of the film because mm-hmm. he is the biggest star in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the way that that scene is shot, it's kind of like it happens. It's not very dramatic. It's because for Bruce Willis, that's just like, oh, well, that was a relief. Move on. Yeah, it's not a big moment for him because he doesn't have any relationships to that character in the way that we do as a viewer. So mm. they did have the bit, it's the also nice bit not... in the bar where it shows their antagonistic. Yeah, they've met. They know each yeah. other, but it's not like I was going to say. It's also not a small moment for him because that's the first person that he's killed. Like while looking at him, like he killed that other boxer, but mm. he didn't know he'd done it. He didn't kill him. He just, that that guy just died of injuries, presumably. Yeah, he didn't um, know he'd done it. Until yeah, he, he didn't actually look someone in the eye and kill them and. I really saw something in Bruce Willis's face as as that happened. Oh, yeah. sure, yeah. There's definitely something different about winning a boxing match so much the other guy dies from his injuries and filling a man with bullets yes. at, <laughs> like, two paces away. Mm. Yes. In your own home. <laughs> in your own home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing that, I, that struck me about the way this film is told in a way that a lot of other 
films would do it differently is that I think any other director who was telling this kind of story, there would be a cop. There'd be some kind of law enforcement. Trying to stop Marcellus Wallace. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It feels like this film is all side characters. And maybe the fact that they're all short stories is kind of why that is. But like, yeah, yeah if, if this film was told in any other way, it, there would be like a hard-bitten cop who's like trying to pursue them. Yeah, paid but, by Danny Glover or something. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, is it Danny Glover? Say Danny Glover? Is he like two days from retirement? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Wait, wait, hang on. Is this in the same world as Lethal Weapon? <laughs> those two, there's actually a whole Lethal Weapon film that they never filmed, which is just those two chasing everybody in this film down. Yeah. But yeah, I like that. I like the fact that it's all these characters who would probably be on the bat, on the margins of any other kind of crime movie, <clears throat> but they all get their own little story. And yeah. Yeah, The only cop in the film, I think, is the crazy rapist in the uh, basement scene. Oh, I wasn't sure what it was, because also what he was wearing looked way too much like a costume. It did look a bit <laughs> YMCA cop rather than yeah. real cop. Yeah. Maybe he was a stripper. <laughs> it, yeah. Just, yeah, it just looked a bit too blue. We don't blue. know for sure, yeah, do we? We don't know for sure if he We was never a cop. do know for sure. Yeah. We know he was dressed as one, that's all. Yeah, mm. he could actually just be a stripper. Yeah. Is he the guy who gets stabbed with the sword, or do you get shot in the balls with a shotgun? That second one. Second one. Yeah. Yeah. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. I'm gonna call a couple of hard pipe hitting niggas to go to work on the homes here with a pair of pliers and a blowtorch. You hear me talking, hillbilly boy? I ain't through with you by damn sight. I'm gonna get medieval on your ass. But yeah, I mean, what were your kind of favourite storylines or characters? <laughs> mm, I think my favourite stuff would be the Bruce Willis Ving Rhames stuff. Right, sure, yeah. Um, I, I found that quite uh, thrilling. Mm. Oh, the basement scene. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> It's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. But then also, oh, Winston Wolf. Oh, yeah. Why is he wearing a suit at like 8.30 in the morning? I don't know, but I love how it's just never addressed. It's never addressed. <laughs> he's in a full tuxedo. Yeah. He's, he's I mean, bow tie and everything. The, most no. of the action of this film happens between the hours of like 6 and 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, because yeah, Butch's whole situation at the fight is night time, and then the next yeah. morning with the watch is the early morning. Mm-hmm. What was your favourite like short story? Um, yet? I quite like Jules's one with the wolf I think I think that's probably my favourite one it's the gritty bit out of a crime story like oh do you mean the whole section after they kill Paul Marvin yeah exactly and the clean up happens the clean up and all the rest because you see a whole bunch and this is kind of only just realising now why I found that so compelling Mm. you see a lot of crime films where people get their heads blown off yeah you never see what must surely be the aftermath of that, which is making sure the police don't find out. Mm-hmm. You very, you, I mean, you see a dumping of a body occasionally, mm-hmm. but you never see a detailed examination of how you could deal with that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what you get here, and that's fascinating. It is a, it's a good sequence. I was going to come to this later, but we might as well deal with it now. Quentin Tarantino's cameo, which he does like to do. Ah, oh, this one is awful. Really? I hated, yeah. I hated him in this one. He, I'm alright with it. I loved him in Django Untrained because it was very much just a cameo. And he blew himself up, which yeah, is funny. Yeah, yeah. But like, it was just a cameo. It was like, oh, that's him. He was, that's a, great. He was kind of big in this one. Yeah, he this one, a... he was a full-on character. There were a lot of characters who were smaller than him. Yeah. Like, he may have had more screen time than Winston Wolfe. I'm not uh, sure, but like they have about the same amount of time. Yeah, about the same. When, when they're in story, at least. His character's not great. And I think that if you're going to cameo in your own film, the character needs to have no no effect on the plot, such as uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, when, when he threw a rock. 
Yeah, there's been a few. Oh, like Spear, possibly. Yeah, he, he did a few, I think. He put his kids in twice. Yeah, but like it wasn't to the detriment of the plot at all. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the other way you can do a good cameo is actually do something great. Yeah. He was also... Or just like have a, have a great little conversation or point, like most Stan Lee cameos. Yeah, they're, Stanley, they're, they're great, just little things of just. You might have a conversation with the main character. Yeah, I mean, we cheer when it fun. happens. Exactly. Because we just like Stanley. But with this one, it was too much. It took me out of the film. Mm. Immediately, I was like, even though obviously you look at John Travolta and Bruce Willis, and you know you know who these people are. You're like, oh, it's John Travolta, Bruce Willis. But I think it's different because they are actors, so you're primed to see them. But it's like, because Quentin Tarantino is a director, you're like, oh, Tarantino's in his own film now. And because he's. It's not like he's embarrassingly bad. I've seen far worse performances, but he's not great. Ooh, and it's just ooh, kind of... Okay. It's not, he's not great, but everybody else is. Yes, exactly. exactly. He, he, he's, a, he's a bar below where That's all fair. the other actors are. Okay. He's a six in a film full of tens. Yeah. And, and there's a reason, because they're all actors. Yeah. <laughs> okay, ones, yeah. so what about Jon Favreau in Iron Man? He's a big character. He's like a third... He's like true, third but, run character and he but directed that. That's the first point I made. If you're great, it works. And yeah. Favre yeah, he is, was, is he also was an actor. Like he's been in films as in front of the camera. And he was in actor. Friends. He wasn't Friends. He was in um, Very Bad Things, which I saw when I was a kid and it terrified me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, sorry. Was that a is that a property? Very Bad Things. What is Very Bad Things like a film or something? Yeah, or is that film, just yeah. no? Oh. It's just a critique of his film. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> I've seen him in many Very Bad Things. Yeah. I've also seen him in the film Very Bad Things. Okay, cool. I'm really, I genuinely wasn't <laughs> sure. <fine. laughs> um, but in, in terms of actually casting, I, Vincent Vega. John Travolta hadn't been like a hard case yet, had no. he? No, this, like, this he, was a, he was a dancer and a song and dance man until mm. this point, and then yeah. suddenly, hey, assassin. Yeah, no, this film absolutely revitalized John Travolta's career. Yeah, it gave him a second phase because he did Grease and Saturday Night Fever sure, yeah. and and then Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I don't think there was an in-between period. There was, but it's full of a lot of real shit. Oh, okay. and it was really like down. It was really like a yeah. downhill spiral. Because then after that, he start. I mean, Face Off has mixed opinions, but I really yeah, yeah. liked it, and he was yeah. great in that. And he's mm. gone on to like super intense, weird roles of baddies and yeah. stuff. Last time we saw Travolta on this podcast, we did uh, Saturday Night Fever, which is his oh, film right. from there. and we talked about then about how like he had to, to do six hours of cardio every day mm-hmm. for like three months. To be in the shape he was in for Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Fever, so yeah, he was uh, he was pretty skinny in that one, yeah. wasn't he? And in but... Greece too. And then you look at him now, and you're like, okay, I can see why you had to work so hard because <laughs> clearly you're not supposed to be that skinny. Like... <laughs> not... Yeah. Oh, we lo- we still love you, John Travolta. I think that's why because he was like this teen pinup, you know, or this young yeah. pinup, and then he kind of went away a bit. He got a bit fat, and then he now came he's back. A, he's a terrifying assassin, and now he's like a character actor. He's like yeah. he, can do, he can do character parts, and it's great. Like, that's so, true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because Grease and Saturday Night Fever were were similar kind of yeah. waster roles. Definitely, yeah. And then suddenly, character actor, like you said. Yeah, exactly. It worked well for him. Now the moment you've all been waiting for, the world-famous Jack Rabbit Slim's Twist Contest. Now this is where one lucky couple will win this handsome trophy that Marilyn here is holding. Now who will be... Our first contestants. Right here. Want to dance? No, 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 no. I do believe Marcellus, my husband, your boss, told you to take me out and do whatever I wanted. And now I want to dance. I want to win. I want that trophy. Right. So dance good. All right. There is one scene we've not yet talked about. Okay. Go on. The dance scene. Jack Rabbit oh. Slims. I knew you'd been waiting for this one. So excited, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the Chuck Berry song, I think. Mm. Um, okay, well first, so, so so they walk into this club, yeah. this club which is 
What is it? It's like a 50s retro diner, isn't it? Yes, but yeah. this is the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Those retro bars do exist, though. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But this one just seemed like quite extreme. It might be a little bit overdone with the number of waitstaff and the number of Marilyn Monroe impersonators and quite as many barbershop quartets. Yeah. What do you think of Buddy Holly? You mean Steve Buscemi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take that off the list of things I wanted to talk about. I was very happy. Steve Buscemi so is Buddy Holly. I was very happy with his wig. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, his glasses helped because they took yeah. down the smoker eyes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, he, he looks a bit more normal. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That was a and good cameo. That's yeah. Then, of course. See, that's what, that's what Tarantino should have done. A little cameo like Holly. that. Well, not necessarily Buddy Holly, but just something. And then Steve Buscemi plays the random guy who they go around to. That would have worked. I don't know, maybe. Steve I, Buscemi would have worked in that Yeah, role. definitely. I think that would have been a good switch, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it would have been not overusing Tarantino. He's just mm. doing a tiny little I, I did like Jack Rabbit's Limbs because it got John Travolta dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how. And how. Yeah. <laughs> the fingers across the John? face. The fingers. His dancing face is... He should have won an Oscar for that alone. He's not really into it. No, no, no. That's I mean, what makes it funny. It's just that Uma Thurman is just so into it and then he's just giving her the side eye the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. It's a brilliant scene. Yeah. I love that. But I also like the whole subtext with their thing is that they're, they're not on a date. He's been given the task of taking her out and entertaining her. She is the wife of his boss, Ving Rhames, who was obviously a big drug lord. The whole thing is like, I absolutely cannot, under any circumstances have a thing with this woman or even have a hint of a thing yeah. with this woman so I think that that adds an extra subtext to the dance scene where he's just like I'm doing it but I'm not enjoying it I'm doing it but I'm not enjoying it yeah. <laughs> no physical contact yeah. no, no, no physical touching, contact no touching, yeah. hands behind back twist yeah. oh, it's yeah. just fun he's just like he's not there he's just like he's checked out in his head but he still loves to dance like it's just it's yeah. so fun it's yeah. so fun the dancing is just awful from both parties but it's awful in the best way it's like <laughs> they win the contest who are you to judge? I wanted to see what the other guys were like, but that was the winning performance. Because it? Like, well, it, it was Steve Buscemi and Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah, who, who are you to call fake uh, Richard Nixon a, a bad judge of mm. yeah. contests? <laughs> there's also, this is a very small point, but there's a scene in the restaurant scene when Uma Thurman goes to the bathroom to powder her nose, i.e. to snort cocaine. Oh, yeah. And it's really funny. I'd advise you to rewatch it because she kind of rises up dramatically. Like You see a scene with... Oh, like, and the powder flies. It's a well, very crowded, like, loads yeah. of extras. And then she kind of rises up and flings her head back and she's like, whoa, mama! And she's, like, snorting this coke. Yeah. And there's, like, maybe five or six extra women who are all just, like, crowded around. It's mm. almost like a scene from Greece with the Pink Ladies. They're all, like, you know, fixing their makeup and doing yeah. stuff. But clearly these are all extras and they've all worked out... It's quite a long shot. It's like a 10, 15 second shot. They've all got one thing they've decided to do. It's like, this woman's reapplying makeup to this particular part of her cheek. This one's straightening her hair. And they just keep doing the same thing over and over oh, really? and over again. And it's so funny. I'd never noticed that. I've got Are to you watch that now. Are you watching that now? Yep. The bit, and, uh, watch the woman who's straightening her hair. She just does the same thing over and over and over again. And it's really funny. No. Oh, no. Yeah, they are. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep, yeah, they are. Oh, John, you've... Oh, no, that. I can't watch this properly anymore. You've hit the nail on the hook there, John. I'm always on the lookout for a dodgy extra, and that scene was just... Yeah. Nice. I said, God damn! God damn! So they go to this restaurant, and then they go back to her apartment. This some of my favourite drunk acting I've ever seen. It was really, really good. Oh, them shambling around. Yeah, it was That's very good. good and very true. We've all been that with our friends or someone we've been on a date with. Where you get to yeah. that and you're just kind of a bit disheveled and you just kind of like, you know. I thought it was very, very true and very, very funny. Yeah. But then obviously, as we mentioned earlier, there's the quite horrifying scene where she accidentally snorts his heroin thinking it's cocaine and then she overdoses. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. But then it really made me laugh when he... So he, dri- he drives her like bloodied and, you know, bubbling, could die at any moment. He races her over to his 
friend slash dealer's And then immediately house. drives through his living room wall. Drives through the living room wall. But even before he does that, when he it's the way he drags her out of the car and then just drops her like a sack of spots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh. Yeah. yeah, it's important she doesn't die. It's yeah. not important she's not bruised yeah. at this point. <laughs> I like that. And I loved there was just this random Scottish woman just or Irish woman just sat on the couch smoking a bong just yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> she was my most intriguing character by far. Yeah. <laughs> There's a sequel based entirely on her, sure. Well, maybe we'll get to that. Ooh. Exciting. Vincent. Do you want to hear my Fox Force 5 joke? Sure. Except I think I'm still a little too petrified to laugh. No, you won't laugh because it's not funny. But if you still want to hear it, I'll tell it. I can't wait. Okay. Three tomatoes are walking down the street. Papa tomato, mama tomato, and baby tomato. Baby tomato starts lagging behind, and Papa tomato gets really angry. Goes back and squishes him. Says, ketchup. Hmm. <laughs> ketchup. See you around. What scenes haven't we talked about yet? That's got me. Oh, we haven't talked. Well, Bruce Willis's whole plot line. Um, we talked about it briefly. But Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Yeah. Christopher oh yeah. Amazing cameo. Is that a cameo? I think. So. I would say so. it's a one scene. What class is as a cameo? It's one monologue. Yeah, but is it a cameo? Supporting performance, maybe. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Harvey Keitel is not a cameo, but I think Christopher Walken's a cameo. I think limited to one scene mm. is a cameo. Mm. Okay. I would say. Okay. And he's obviously famous enough to be recognisable, mm. which also helps. Should cameo. there be a new Oscar category for best cameo? Oh, yes. Like best support, to distinguish between best supporting actors Easily. Like, and then best cameo. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, and then just respectively, that, respectively give it to Steve Buscemi for this. Mm. 100%. <laughs> now give it to Christopher Walken for this. Mm. Yeah, I love that speech because I love how it starts really serious mm. and sensible and then it just, without him changing his delivery in any way, it just gets so ludicrous. Yeah. He doesn't change his delivery, so you're like, I kind of zoned out a little bit because it's a long speech. So I got to where I was kind of like, because it was late, so I was like, I was half listening to it. And then I was like, wait, is he saying what I think he's saying? And then I was like, <laughs> I was right back in. I was like, what the I, fuck is I he saying? I was wondering, like, is this ad libs? Yeah. I want to know as much as I can find out about Christopher Walken's butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's Christopher Walken's relationship to Bruce Willis? I think he is just, he just served with his father at the, in the army. Because that was the thing, if someone yeah. was killed in, in service in, in the mm. army, they would send one of the... Um, comrades comrades yes yeah. to deliver the bad news to the family yeah. so I think that's what his job was he was probably his best friend in there oh, so Chris, so Bruce Willis's father had a watch in the war yeah yeah. he'd had the put, news put, put, it up, put it up his butt so that yeah. his son could have it yes Yeah. and then he died but his last thing before he died was like hey Christopher Welkin yeah take that please, please. nice sound effect thank you my son <laughs> I realised I was, I was mining yeah. on a podcast mm-hmm. so um, and then Christopher Walken keeps that up his butt for a few years and then uh, yeah. gives it to Bruce Willis. Yeah. So, I think Taylor's oldest time. Yeah, also also uh, Bruce Willis's dad died of dysentery. <laughs> yeah. Which was probably not helped. Yeah. By the watch. The dysentery butt. is just like a it's a disease up, up up there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's cool. it gastrointestinal like, rather than it's, it's, specifically it's, it's, it's the like butt. Extreme diarrhea or something. Dysentery causes diarrhea. I think okay. dysentery is the disease, diarrhea will be a symptom. Okay. Could it be caused by spending several years with, with a watch with, with people? Probably. Um, it would be called, I think, unsanitary conditions. Yeah, sure. So having a watch up your butt that has potentially previously been worn for a year or so yeah. in a wartime jungle type situation. Yeah. 
It's not very sanitary. No. I, I, I think dysentery is either it's viral, I think, or possibly mm. bacterial. Basically, you get it from dirty water. Sure. But stuffing dirty things up your butthole probably isn't helping matters. Sure. No. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright. You'd be damned if any slope's going to put the greasy yellow hands on his boy's birthright. So he hid it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this watch up his ass. Then he died of dysentery. He'd give me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. Then after seven years, I was sent home to my family. And now, little man, I give the watch to you. What did you think of Bruce Willis? I mean, I'd forgotten that he was actually in this film because all the marketing. Yeah, yeah, me too. All the marketing in this film is. What do you mean, forgotten? You've not seen it before. I mean, but but still, going in, I I knew it. I was like, this is John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson at New Film, and it's their film. And then I was like, oh, there's a whole extra plot with Bruce Willis because it's not really any of the marketing around him. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, the posters in the film and the famous images, Samuel L. Jackson and. John Travolta, mm-hmm. a lot of the scenes you see on like clip shows, it's, it's those characters. I think Bruce Willis is a bit unsung in this, but mm-hmm. I thought he was really good. Oh, yeah. Like, Bruce Willis has only got two speeds. He's really good and then just fine as an action yeah, star. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or he's, he's either really good or he's phoning it in. Yeah. He's, good, he's a good enough actor that even when he phones it in, he's watchable. He's mm-hmm. not the reason why Die Hard 7 sucks. No. But, but he's the, the reason why Die Hard 1 is great. Yeah. He, he's not the only reason, but he definitely helps. Yeah. I mean, his character was really not very likeable, but his character is very compelling. And, God, he's so lucky. Yes. So fucking lucky. Like, he has so many moments of just pure good Hang luck. on, though. When he, he just accidentally bumps into the mob boss in exactly, the street yeah. getting donuts, that's bad luck. Bad luck, but also good luck in the sense he has an opportunity to kill him. I mean, obviously it doesn't go that way, but, you know. Yeah, and also then, subsequently, an opportunity to save him. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it all works it out. Certainly helps. It certainly yeah, helps. It works out, for him, it works out better for him than it does for Ving Rhames. Like. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Oh, it's very God, true. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this as well because you know, you'd have recognised it, but the scene where he runs over Ving Rhames and then Ving Rhames is like on the ground unconscious and then a, a bunch of people like lift up and there's a red-headed woman who like yeah. says, are you okay? She is a well-known comedian called Kathy Griffin. She only has like two lines. She's basically an extra. Yeah. But she really made me laugh because... So she's like, are you okay? If you want me to go to the police, I'll, I'll, I'll testify everything because that guy was a whack job. And he's like... Ving Rhames is still obviously quite dazed. He's like, "What guy?" She's like, "That guy over there. He did it." And then she, she points, and it's Bruce Willis. Oh, he gets shot. She gets shot, doesn't she? No, she doesn't get shot. That's someone else. But then he, Ving Rhames, sees it's Bruce Willis. Goes right, pulls out a gun, and shoots and shoots at him. And then Kathy Griffin does the funniest facial expression you'll ever see. She just kind of goes, mm, "Nope," and then she just like legs it. Like... <laughs> but my favorite thing about that is I was watching the end credits, and it said everyone else had a character, like you know, so it's actor and cast, even like the extra, so like. You know, XX plays waitress or XX plays uh, girl in taxi. Yeah. Kathy Griffin, it said Kathy Griffin as herself. Oh, yeah. So in that scene, Ving Graham just runs into, the at, the actual... t- at the time, moderately successful stand-up comedian Kathy Griffin, who helps him out a little bit, almost gets shot and then does a runner, which I thought was really fun. I like that. I like that's canonically her. Yeah. John, I'll just rewatch that. You've, again, <laughs> you've done it. Do you want to watch this process in? I do want to watch this. <laughs> she just <laughs> walks <laughs> she raises her eyebrows turns around and walks away right <laughs> everybody else sprints yeah. she just yeah. calmly she was, walks oh, yeah. she was also dating Quentin Tarantino at the time which might explain why she got that fun little cameo but yeah, yeah. this is fair <laughs> so wait does that mean that Tarantino is a real person 
in the Tarantino-averse. Well, he's no. not credited as himself. He's credited as Jimmy, so... Yeah, also, no, no, he's, no, no, he's well, married well, well, to somebody else. Oh, well, I see what you mean, because she's dating Quentin Tarantino, so... Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Uh, Kathy Griffin is, but her relationship status is single. True, yeah. Maybe this it's is a pre- slight yeah. version of herself. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. Right, that got weird. I'm <laughs> re-watching that scene again. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like, exit time. No. <laughs> I think if you it's LA isn't it I, yeah. I think if you live in LA and pull, someone pulls a gun you're like yep I'm used to this I'm leaving yeah so I think the only characters we haven't touched on yet are um, the characters that open and close the film which is oh. um, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny yeah what did you think of Pumpkin and Honey Bunny uh, they were great I loved them they were I, so much fun I um, did too I like the sort of borderline philosophizing they're doing about like what's a good place to rob and mm-hmm. that kind of thing it's really good Tim Roth great actor Again, I love Tim Roth I love Wild Dogs he's the main guy and yeah. he's brilliant I love Amanda Plummer who plays Honey Bunny. She yeah. is because she, she's one of those actresses who she's very kind of stagey and like she's always doing stuff. So yeah. have you ever seen have you ever seen The Fisher King with Robin Williams and Jeff Bridges? I haven't. That's a great film she's in. She always plays like these very quirky, weird characters, mm. and she's always really fun to watch whenever she's in anything because she's just one of those actresses you just can't help but find interesting. Yeah. But the bit when they because you're right the first it's the, the, the film starts with this kind of cold open and I love a cold open in a film mm. when they're just having this kind of quite placid conversation about you know what they should rob and when and they're making all these plans and he's like okay let's do it now okay let's she, do it now she's actually being kind of cutesy as well yeah. like, oh, oh I don't want to kill anyone yeah and then yeah, she's I... really nice to the waitress like the waitress oh, yeah. is, like, that's the best thing which she's the wait- so sweet to the waitress and then suddenly she... if any of you breaks move <laughs> yeah yeah. The, the, the switch yeah. she does is so funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant like his Tim Roth kind of just stands up and says okay this is robbery yeah he stays the same she he... just goes into this whole she different character lips. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Mm. I love you, pumpkin. I love you, honey bunny. Everybody, you call this a robbery! Any of you fucking pricks move! And I'll execute every one of your motherfuckers! You Alright, so is that us done? I think that's our general plot discussion is mm. done. You got some different games? Anytime you definitely don't want to take drugs anymore. Fair, yeah. Cool. Well, I was going to say drink for deaths. Yeah, I was going to say drink for bullets. Mm. Solid, yeah. yeah I had drink for guns, being which fired. I think is fair. Yeah, drink guns for guns. Bullets, so yeah. when John Travolta goes, is that uh, like six drinks or whatever? Yeah, one drink for every bullet. Okay. And one drink for every gun as well. I mean, actually, no, maybe... That maybe, seems turning into a lot. <laughs> that's, that's quite a lot. Maybe maybe bullets is better than guns. Maybe when you see the gun, drink. Mm. When it fires a bullet, drink some When more. a gun is pulled out, maybe. Oh, yeah, when a gun is pulled. Yeah, that's there's a, a lot of There's yeah. quite a lot yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, the opening sequence, there's like six bullets just mm. after a gun is pulled, and then each of those guys shoots about six more bullets. Mm. So that's you're about fifteen to twenty drinks in just in the first scene with the big kahuna burgers. So Rossi drink games are awful. John, what yeah. have you got? Uh well obvious one to start with drink for wigs. Ah, oh, I had that too. Favourite wigs anyone? Uma Thurman's. Uma Thurman's was a good wig. But John Travolta's is a wig. I'm not sure if it's a wig or just disgusting hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great, but I mean, I had two favourite. I mean, yeah, Uma Thurman's is iconic, but Samuel L. Jackson, that is an amazing, amazing wig. Oh, yeah. yeah. His little jerry cut. It looks the like tight he, perm. His little tight perm. It looks like he's going to sing, like, on the good ship, lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And only, I mean, this, I think this is why Samuel L. Jackson has had the career that he's had, because who else could wear that wig and still look sexy and cool? And terrifying. And, mm. and terrifying. Only Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Anyone else, it would be laughable. So. Mm-hmm. But my kind of underdog vote for best wig is um, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's solid. a great, great wig. That is solid. good. Can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. That was this week's wig watch. That was this week's wig watch.
Okay, so my next one is drink for every John Travolta style. Because he has a lot of different hairstyles and costume combos in this. Okay, go on. A lot of quite iconic ones. Obviously, there's the one where him and Sam Jackson are pointing guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there's the scene where he's in Mia's house, like, looking around. Mm. And that's become a meme a now meme, of him yeah. being confused. And then when they're in the diner, like, he's got hair sort of down over his face. Yeah. In a weird way that, like, he looks uncomfortable, but also looks a bit cool at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's the whole dance thing, he takes his shoes off and yeah. stuff. And there's a few more. He's got like a ponytail. And then, of course, the, yeah. at one point there's a ponytail for most of it, I think. Yeah. But then at one point he's wearing his hair completely down. Yeah. And it looks the worst. I hated that yeah. so much. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the t shirt. And yeah. yeah, there's a few mm. different styles he's got. Mm. So, drink for every that new man one. He can of look them. good in a wide variety of different, like, yeah. contexts. You're saying he was looking good in all those things. Well, not necessarily good, but, you know. Compelling. He's compelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got those styles. Yeah. I like the word compelling as a good out to explain why you like something that's actually hateful. Sure, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, Russ, have you got any more? I think that's about it. Oh, uh, maybe drink for gratuitous cameos. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, you know, Cam- Kathy Griffin, Kathy Griffin Steve uh, Buscemi, and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very good. Very see, gratuitous because it lasts. See, Kathy Griffin almost wasn't a cameo. Apart from the fact that she's herself. Yeah, no, exactly. I never would have clocked that as a camera. Also, she's, yeah, not, she's not like a movie star. It's not like, unless she's someone like me who like knows random comedians, you wouldn't mm. be like, oh, it's megastar Kathy Griffin. You know, yeah, like, that's fair. It was just like a, a quirky... I mean, term. Steve Buscemi wasn't a megastar. Then, no, I mean, this he, is before Lebowski. Like, he, he's was also, just, he was literally just an actor. He's oh, also right. barely recognisable now. Yeah. Like, even if you know who Steve Buscemi mm. is, you can't recognise him under that. True, yeah. Mm. Drink to references to burgers or condiments. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I nearly had that one. Um, drink for any shot of feet. Yes, we. Quentin Not Tarantino. many. There's, There's a few though. Intense. Tarantino ones. is a notorious foot fetishist. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he got Kurt Russell to lick someone's feet mm-hmm. in Death Proof. I can't remember who's. I think it might have been Mary Elizabeth Winstead's feet. There's definitely it's a bit f- weird. Yeah. He definitely has Uma Thurman barefoot dancing, and there's quite a few close-ups on her feet as well. So. Yeah. Good point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. True. I think she's barefoot for at least a little bit of Kill Bill, too. Probably, yeah. He does love her feet. Oh, fair bit. Like, doesn't she squish him with eye with her toes? Oh, that's right! That's a very specific that's bit dis- of foot fetishism, that's, isn't that's it? That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's barefoot for that bit. Yeah. Oh, Quentin. Yeah, see, I don't remember those films very well, but I remember that bit. But whatever you enjoy, Quentin, that's fine, but not necessarily in every film, and not necessarily bare feet squishing eyeballs. Yeah, not that. Drink for any time anybody says motherfucker. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Normally Sam Jackson, of course. That absolutely will kill you. Yeah. Mm. I just a couple more. Drink for long conversations that don't matter. A oh, Tarantino yeah. staple, you know, when mm-hmm. someone's rambling about something. Or other. Mm-hmm. And the last one was, drink whenever somebody gets ridiculously lucky. Mostly Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like when a turn of, just when a turn of events happens. That, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot too. Mm-hmm. Right, now let's talk about Patreon. Swap Podcast is on Patreon. For anybody who would like to support the show in any way, if you've enjoyed it and you want to give something back to help us keep the lights on and keep our hosting paid for, well, you can support us at patreon.com slash set. And for that, you get a few little bonus things. We do a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where each week we review films that are in the cinema right now. Also... There's a few privileges for our patron supporters. For example, you can choose an episode for our bonus show, Beyond Beyond the Box Set. If it's, like, say, some kind of sequel that you want us to talk about, that's where it goes. If it's something that's not a sequel, could go on a main show, well, we'll do it on a main show. Once a month, we'll pick a Patreon episode, and we'll encourage you to guest on it if you want. And also, um, every week we do a 30-second advert slot for anything you want to advertise. It can be your own podcast, could be your own business, could be... Pens. I'm not good at selling pens. I've not won a lot of job interviews. <laughs> How many yeah. times have you advertised for a job in the pen industry? 
oh, I once applied for a job at an O2 store, and they said, okay, sell me this pen. And I was like, uh, you know what, yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need this job. <laughs> yeah. You could try and sell pens or laptops or beer or microphones. and or I'm just naming podcast. <laughs> I'm just naming things that are on the table right now. Do you want to, that's pretty much what we do. Do you want to uh, take 30 seconds and advertise something of your choice? Could be anything. Do I have to pay for it? No. Oh, okay. Um, hi, guys. Because um, you're, is... you're here in person. Oh, I turned up here. So you get a long way just by turning up. Hi guys, uh, I'm Ross from Two Geeks, Two Movies. Uh, I would love it uh, if you gave a listen to my and Harry's podcast in which myself and Harry talk about two movies that are quite similar and we uh, we mash them together and, uh, and see what interesting similarities we can find and what uh, observations we can make. Uh, we did Black Panther and Lion King. That was quite a good one I enjoyed. Uh, it and Thing. We did. Recently, we did Batman and Batman. And the As in Batman 1999 and Batman Begins. I was going to leave that ambiguous, but okay. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, the other part of this crossover uh, in which we did Treasure Island, Muppet Treasure Island, and Treasure Planet. Which is available um, on all good post- podcasting platforms. So search Two Geeks, Two Movies. And uh, that last episode, Treasure Island 1, should have gone out yesterday. Um, at, uh, at the time of release of this episode. Okay. Uh, also, if you want to hire me as a juggler, I'm also that. Where can they find you for that? Uh, RossBurtonCircusArtist.com Great. And I'm also on Instagram and Twitter and all the rest. Ross Burton Circus Artist. If you're interested in any kind of juggling stuff, I teach workshops, uh, then uh, get in touch. I'd love to uh, love to work with a listener. Um, so, yeah, you can have an advert like that or any of the other bonus things that I mentioned if you go to patreon.com slash set and donate as much or as little as you want. Thank you very much. We know you love box sets. And the area outside of them. Do you ever wonder what people see in artists like Garth Brooks and Insane Clown Posse? There's a lot of hidden value in this music, and we want to understand why people are so dedicated to these artists. We're Think Outside the Box Set, and we almost accidentally stole the name of Beyond the Box Set. Join me, Cameron DeWitt. And me, Nathan Hunt. As we listen to artists that many people dismiss, maybe for good reason. Check out boxset.website. Or your preferred podcatcher. You've tried the best, now try the rest. Now, sequels. Sequels. Who's first? Do you want to go first or? Sure, I'll go first. Okay. Okay, I've got two ideas. Great. Oh no. Oh god, is that why this took so long? Well, one of the, one of them took no no time for me to actually think of the idea and it's mainly for you two to do. Oh god. Um, he's delegating again. Well, for obvious reasons I'm not going to be very good at this idea, but I thought of it and just like, oh no, that is pretty good. So, it's essentially pulp fiction but the Muppets. Okay. Oh, no. So, again, <laughs> I don't know the Muppets very well or actually like them that much. Why are you asking me? Okay, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> We're Muppet gonna do a... Pulp Fiction. Okay, so essentially just the same kind of story, but just let's recast it. As the Muppets. Okay, sure. Well, Kermit's got to be the lead. No, I disagree. I'm jumping in on that one straight okay. away. Kermit and Miss Piggy are Marcellus and Mia Wallace. Yes. Oh, yes. That, that much 100% I do yes. know. Okay, I agree. But which one's Marcellus? Is that Ving Rhames? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, 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 I, I, I thought, uh, sorry, I thought you meant that Karen and Miss Piggy were going to be... John Travolta and... No, no, I thought Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. That also that works, works but I well. think Marcellus and Ving... Uh, no, 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 I, no, 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 no Pumpkin and Honey Bunny need to be uh, the two Muppets who are on the front of the ship in Treasure Island. Yes. Oh, yes, uh, Statler and Waldorf. Okay, no, you're right, that works. And yeah, Miss Piggy as Uma Thurman would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, um, I want to dance and I want to win. Either Beaker or Honeydew as the drug dealer. Yeah. One of the scientists is the yeah. drug dealer. Yeah. 
that'd work. The drug dealer and then like the person on the couch just could be the other one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Bunsen Honeydew is definitely the Eric Stoltz, the drug dealer, mm. Lance, and yeah, Beaker is absolutely the random stoned Irish just woman going just, back, going, back, just, back, back, back. just going. Me, 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 oh, he's me, he's me, 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 on the couch getting wrecked. Yes. Yeah. So Travolta and Samuel L. Um, Fozzy Bear and maybe... Well, shouldn't they be the two main ones? Oh, Gonzo and Rizzo. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, that fits. Gonzo that fits work. Yeah, Gonzo and Rizzo as um, Travolta. Yeah, John Travolta can be Gonzo. Yeah. And Rizzo the Rat can be Samuel L. Jackson. That works yeah. quite well. Um, what about Butch? Which one's Butch again? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Uh, who have we not used yet? Well, could that be Fozzie Bear? That, could be that works. That yeah, could be Fozzie Bear. Really well. Any other characters we've not used yet? Oh, the Fixer. He can be... Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Sam the Eagle. Oh, that works. That's mm-hmm. good, yeah. Yeah, he's a bit scary mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christopher Walken. Who have we not used yet? I don't know any more Muppets. Who's the drummer? Animal. I only Animal. know that one because he's a drummer. I'm not a drummer or anything. But it's, who, who could give like a long monologue who we've not used yet? Like... Uh... I think it should be one of the ones who doesn't speak in English, who just makes noises and just do the entire length of the monologue <laughs> purely in incomprehensible okay. noises. Okay, so Dr. Bunsen Honeydew is still Lance, but we're not having Beaker as the... And then Beaker can do Beaker it. Beaker can be Christopher Walken. So that entire long speech is just... And somehow they have to communicate that the whole story is about shoving a gold watch up their ass purely for the medium of... And maybe some hand flap. And hand flap and hand flailing, yes. Yeah. And it's just cuts between that and little baby Bruce Willis just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Who's right. a baby? Who, wait, baby Fuzzy Bear. Baby Fuzzy Bear. Baby Fuzzy Bear, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Brilliant. Okay, cool. So that was uh, Pulp Fiction as the Muppets. Muppet Pulp Fiction, like yep. it. Like yep, it. Yeah, yeah. Felt Fiction. Felt fiction. Felt fiction. fiction, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. The other one I'll come up with, um, the real one, mm. is uh, Pulp Fiction 2, What's in the Briefcase? What's in the Briefcase? Ah, the classic mystery. Mm. So. So you've answered the question that didn't need answering in the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love so, it. So uh, this film picks up directly after the end of the first one. Um, Everybody Relevant is back, and with a mixture of de-aging and makeup, no one needs to be recast. There's a lot of heavy CGI work happening here. Apart from Irving, Rames's head is now CGI'd onto a slender man's body. <laughs> He's, he's got bigger. Sure. Well, so is John Travolta. <laughs> yeah, but that much bigger. They've also no. aged 20 years. No. I mean, de-aging is all right, but it's not good enough for a whole film, I don't think. Anyway, I'm nitpicking. Captain Marvel's just idea. about to do it with Sam Jackson. Yeah, and it might be too weird. Well, we'll see. They're either going to have to be limited or incredibly good and worked, better than it's ever been done before. Worked well so far. Anyway. Anyway. Okay, oh, fine. We'll go with it. So everyone's been digitally de-aged. It's the same actors. Fine. Mm-hmm. Justify this. Go on. Mm-hmm. Chapter 1. We start off with Pumpkin, which is Tim Roth, and Honey Bunny. They are driving in a speeding car, and we get a long, drawn-out conversation, which I'm not going to get into, about a job they just failed to pull, and how they need to do something else with their lives. This is a sequel, right? Oh, yeah. So this is after the events of the Pulp Fiction Mm -hmm. film. Okay. Um, As they try to drive across the junction, they hit a car, um, which has Ving Rhames on its bonnet. On its (laughs) bonnet? Yeah. They were in the car accident. I like that. Oh, I see. They were part of that. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. I mean, so it doesn't work. So we eat each sto- timeline. Oh, it does. They haven't just left the diner. They left the diner several days. Doesn't need to be the right? diner. So they're just driving. I, 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 I didn't. It could be I a few days later. Okay, fine. I've just said a job they failed to pull off. Yeah. Okay. So the joke is that ah, they're just—they're no. not good at pulling. Sorry, the I'm going to nitpick again. <sighs> Why? Because they quit. According to the end of Pulp Fiction, they, they said they quit. They said they quit. Because they quit. Yeah, <laughs> they did not mean but they then quit. Later on, like a week later, they really did quit. You don't see okay. them again. 
Okay, uh, I'll let you off. Yeah. Okay. Um, so their car carries on, but I did check the footage from the first film. You don't film. recognize anybody in the You don't see like, anyone like, in the like car. The, like, there's no other crashed car. There's only John Travolta's car. So it could have been them. Bruce Willis's car. Sorry, could have yeah. been them and they drove off. Yeah, they, they drive off, although both airbags go off and the crash is quite bad. Honey Bunny is actually not unconscious. Okay. okay. The rest of their story is going to be about them trying to get Honey Bunny back to health, which involves going to whatever Druggy McGee was called. Druggy McGee? Lance, I think it was. Lance? Yeah. Yeah. Stoltz, yeah. Uh, going back to Lance for a shot of something random to w- try and wake her up, which doesn't work because that's not how drugs work. <laughs> um, so instead they go to a hospital, which comes with its own stress. Okay. End of chapter one. Okay. Chapter two. Um, so Jules, Sam Jackson, walks through a front door of a suburban house and says, Hi, honey, I'm home. And his wife, played by... I was thinking Tiffany Haddish. Might be a bit of fun. That would be fun, he, yeah. He, if he does have a wife, he's cheating on her because he's got a vegetarian girlfriend in Pulp Fiction. Okay, fine. She's a girlfriend. Right. Okay. Oh, can we have Wanda Sykes? Who? You don't know who Wanda Sykes is? No. Nah. <laughs> she's got a very distinctive voice. She's like the sidekick in so many films. She's in everything. No? No. Um, she looks great oh I have seen her in something yeah yeah but find Tiffany Haddish no 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 Wanda Sykes is great Wanda Sykes cool I can see Wanda Sykes being married to Samuel L. Jackson it it, it, it makes more sense I was just the first person I could think of who's got good sass sure yeah oh yeah so so Wanda Sykes says and and, and what is this you're wearing where's your suit don't tell me you've lost another suit and then Samuel Jackson goes get off my back mother don't you use that language in this house (laughs) this is my house your house? Who paid for it? What's this you see on my finger, bitch? What's mine is yours. <laughs> Who do you think slaves away every day to keep this place clean and tidy and has your dinner on the table waiting for you every day? Now, if you've lost another suit, then don't expect me to go out to the shops and buy you another one, which someone's just going to have to wash and dry and press. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Rita. Sorry I won't cut it. For next month, I want you to stay home and learn how much work I have to do every day. Bitch, I ain't doing that. <laughs> oh, you did not just call me a bitch. Right, I'm going to stay at Mia's house. Enjoy your month. So she leaves. End of chapter two. Okay. That was two unbelievable impersonations of <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson and Wanda Sykes. It was like they were in the room. Flawless. Incredible. Yeah. Okay, chapter three. They'll get shorter now. Okay. Chapter three. Vincent, John Travolta, drives up to Bruce Willis's flat. Okay. And uh, he's in a rush. He waddles in in a very conical scene. Waddles. And, yeah. Um, it's not he, that fast he, 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 he runs in and looks for a toilet as fast as he can. Oh, I see. He's a, uh, oh. Um he runs into the kitchen and realises it's not a toilet, drops his gun and finds a toilet across the corridor. He gets in and relieves himself. End of chapter three. So they just bring him back, do all the CGI just so he can have a shit. Yeah. You don't even need to see his face. Sure. Mm. I think he's the most difficult one to, uh, right to bring him to, back to, 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 to de-age. Sure, fair. So chapter four is about Mia, Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. She's at her place and she gets a knock on the door. And it's Rita. It's, it's um, Wanda Sykes. Sykes. Wanda, Wanda Sykes. Sykes again. Oh, great. And... Uh, yeah, commence a solid hour of Tarantino written girl talk. Interesting, okay. Obviously a solid I, hour. Which obviously I have not written. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellow woman, <laughs> how much do you enjoy womaning? <laughs> oh, I enjoy it very much, Mia. Well, I think it'd be, it'd be funny to have them sort of compare like Samuel L. Jackson and Ving Rhames as their respective partners. Yeah, I'd, that I'd, would be quite funny. I'd I'd, I'd, I don't know, a conversation ensues. I'd like, watch Quentin Tarantino write two incredibly good actresses riffing about two other incredibly cool characters. Yeah. That's, that's good. The Devil Wears Prada as directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so chapter five. Butch, Bruce Willis, has driven away with his girlfriend and tries to start a new life in a different city. He doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you guys want to add anything to that, but that's all I've got. <laughs> wow. It doesn't go well. Uh, it doesn't go well. Um, does he get back into the boxing scene, maybe? 
Yeah, I'd say he can't. He tries to carry on his boxing career mm. because he's not got a new identity. Sure. Has just... he fled the USA completely? No, he's fled that. He LA? lost. He lost his LA privileges. Okay, right. Yeah. Graham said. Because I was thinking he could like go to Mexico or something. Well, they had a plan. We were going to go to Bora Bora. Well, that was it. Yeah, some of the oh. adventures in Bora Bora. Bora Bora, then. Okay. Mm. Maybe he gets in with a local mob there and yeah. makes some enemies quite quickly and moves on to somewhere else. Sure. Meanwhile, maybe his girlfriend is like just doing her own thing. Yeah. Maybe it's her story. Maybe it's like how. What did I say her name was? Like Fabiella. Maybe it's like how Fabiella got her groove back. It's like sure. She finds herself and realizes she doesn't need this man. Yeah. Because Margie needs to leave him. Indeed. Yeah. Or maybe she just like enjoys the lifestyle in Bora Bora and she just gets that pot belly she was so excited about getting (laughs) (laughs) and that's the film (laughs) oh no maybe in the length of the car journey Bruce Willis has got a pot belly sure yeah (laughs) and now she's really happy with it yeah yeah because obviously Bruce Willis now he's he's got himself one sure sure so uh, there's something there I don't know yeah 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 maybe that could be a little learning drug I don't know yeah Anyway, chapter six, final chapter. Mm-hmm. Marcellus, Ving Rames, has just got out of the hardware store, or whatever that shop was. Mm-hmm. Pawn shop. Pawn shop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wasn't far off. Um, some of his goons are going down to talk to the guy down there, um, and Marcellus himself. He goes to a hospital. Um, he walks in and comes across a very curious situation. Two people, a man and a woman, they're seemingly trying to hold up the A&E of the hospital <laughs> to steal money from everybody's wallets. Marcellus takes one look around the room, senses the situation, and just says to himself... Fuck, I'm going to a different hospital. Nice. I like um, that. And uh, yeah, that concludes Pulp Fiction 2, What's Inside the Briefcase. We never actually see Inside the Briefcase. We don't even see the briefcase. The title was just clickbait. Oh, that's oh, very good. That's the title very was good. clickbait. I like it. I, I like how it pays tribute to the original because it starts with Funny Bunny and Pumpkin. It works so well. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Thank actually, you. I think I'd probably watch that. I yeah, I know. It'd be funny, wouldn't it? That was good. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you never find out what's in the briefcase. Yes. Have you heard the theory it's Marcellus Wallace's soul? Yeah, that's deal with the devil. Six 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 is the code to open it. Uh, a, oh, yeah. The plaster on the back of his neck is apparently like biblically a place where Satan would pull your soul out mm. through. Mm-hmm. And Who's Satan put... in this scenario? Harvey Keitel. I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe maybe yeah. literally the real Satan. Yeah, yeah. I reckon Satan no, the gimp. Elizabeth yeah, Hurley. Oh, yeah, Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah. Yes, classic Satan. Um, but yeah, and, and then there's some kind of screwing over system going on, and then the guys end up with a briefcase, and Marcellus is trying to get his soul back from the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah it's an interesting idea I'm actually surprisingly happy with mine given how little effort went into it no, 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 <laughs> very well I had low expectations yeah me too it right but uh, no I actually would I'd really like to watch that as like yeah. a short kind of spoof yeah definitely yeah. Yeah. Ross okay you. so when I came on for It's a Wonderful Life I did a straight up sequel mm-hmm. uh, when I came on for uh, Good, the Bad and the Ugly I did a scathing r- retort of the cinema industry sure, <laughs> in yeah. the form of pointless prequeling mm-hmm. yeah. well you know how you pitch a sequel well I'm pitching ten. Ten? Uh, oh my god yes this is Worlds of Pulp Fiction oh, colon no. extended dark universe anthology oh dear oh, god dear. it's a scathing indictment of pointless world building and desperately Desperately trying to make an extended universe before you've made a film yet. Go Basically, on. because Venom has got like nine sequels penned in or something. Oh my god, really? He's yeah. exaggerating, but yeah. It's got I, a lot. I think it's got like two. And obviously, three. the Dark Universe utterly failing in DC, barely limping along. So I'm pitching 10 sequels, prequels, and sidequels, which you guys could potentially help me cast. Some of them could be the original cast, some of them could be uh, new. So, firstly, we have got, uh, these are obviously necessarily brief. I hope I'm not Good. jumping ahead, but I hope that Sam Jackson is going to link them all together. Not quite. Oh, come on. Although, theoretically, maybe. He links a few. All right, 
The main link is actually going to be Marcellus Wallace. True. Because he is the link between all the stories in Pulp Fiction. Okay. So he's the link between all the stories in the Pulp Fiction extended universe. So the first one is French Rocky. It needs a better title. Go on. (laughs) Go on. But Butch is in France. He's moved from America to France now that he's trying to be a professional boxer. And he's trying to be a professional boxer in France. And he's doing quite well. And he meets what's her name? Fabienne. Oh, is this a prequel then? It's a prequel. So he meets Fabienne there. Okay. And she's a big boxing fan and ends up meeting her favorite boxer and they get on well and they end up dating. And right at the end, he wins the big title fight and his face is all mashed and he shouts, Fabienne, a whole bunch. Okay. It's like not it. at all a ripoff of Rocky in any sense. Like um, it, like it. Doesn't sound it at all. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt will be playing Bruce Willis. Of course. With weird makeup. Standard. Yeah. yeah. I nearly did the same. Yeah. And so the, the kind of partway through, there'll be a through line of maybe going back to America and she wants to go to America and obviously can't uh, because of citizenship. And then at the end, they get married or are about to get married because I can't remember. I think they're married by the time Pulp Fiction is happening, mm-hmm. aren't they? Anyway, they go over to America together at the end. Yeah. And maybe the first thing that happens at the in America is they meet Marcellus Wallace somehow. So that's the that's the first one. That's French Rocky. Like it. Then we also have Bora Bora Balboa. Nice. Okay. Which is a sequel. Okay. In which he is a far older, now not being chased by the mob anymore, living in Bora Bora, training a new guy. Okay. Who could be played by Michael B. Jordan potentially. <laughs> So he's a much older guy, and now he's training a younger person to potentially bring back to America. And uh, and like he meets this guy in Bora Bora who he thinks could be a champion. So he tries to get him and takes him back to America. Maybe halfway through the film, they go back to America and start winning fights together, and it becomes a whole. Oh, so this is like Rocky thing. Balboa, that film that came exactly. out. Exactly, hence Bora Bora Balboa. Uh-huh, yeah. I see. So it's basically the Rocky. It's kind of Balboa and Creed mixed together. Sure. I yeah. And I borrowed the guy from Creed, obviously. Sure. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Willis could still be in that one. He could, yeah. So that works quite well for that one. All right, then we've got... This one is where Sam Jackson does link the worlds together. Kane from Kung Fu. So Jules makes good on his promise to walk the world like Kane from Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And does so. Mm-hmm. And he has some adventures on the way. Trying to be righteous, trying to be a good bloke, but ending up in scrapes where he ends up either to try and do the right thing, but ends up hurting people anyway. You know, he still goes armed, because that's what he knows. Yeah. You know, so he tries to do the right thing and ends up hurting people. Like, uh, some guy, he's just travelling through a town, someone holds up a liquor store or something, and he tries to stop the robbery from happening and ends up having to shoot the robber. And he goes on the run again, you know. But he ends up rekindling his passion for the piano, which he learnt as a kid, and finds himself in a sleepy little dusty church in El Paso, Texas. And then, leading on to something. then Uma Thurman comes in and does a wedding rehearsal and then they all get executed by uh, the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. It's a Kill Bill connection. Okay. Right, okay. Yeah. It, Which one Jack- better? Because Sam Jackson plays Rufus the pianist mm. okay, cool. in that film. Mm-hmm. And again, you could, you wouldn't have to de-age him that much to, to put him in between those two bits because mm. he's aged up to play Rufus anyway okay. so it expands the Pulp Fiction extended dark universe anthology by two more films because it puts mm. Kill Bill in them okay. Good. you could even have a scene where he says wow Beatrix you look amazingly like a woman I knew in LA once <laughs> <laughs> must be a coincidence alright now we change genres a bit we've got a rom-com nice. Mamma Mia 
Here Marcellus goes again. <laughs> Do we go on? It's where they meet. Okay. So, and like, she is sort of, she's a society person. I, I assume she's got rich parents and she does the bar scene in LA and stuff. Is Abba doing the soundtrack to this? It certainly could, but it might just be a little bit too silly. Hmm. Could work. Um, a little bit too silly. And ends up meeting Marcellus and he takes a shine to her and then he has to chase her. And yeah, they, by the end, they end up married. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the main characters would have to be Tony Rocky Horror, who is also really interested in dating Mia, which sets up nicely the foot rub thing that they're talking about in the first scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I was hoping for there. Uh, and then a direct sequel to that one is... Uh, wait, no, sorry, direct prequel to that one, so we could these could be released in a different order, is Marcellus building up his mob contacts and becoming the kingpin. So, straight up mafia movie. Yeah. Don't have much on that one. Uh, I think Ving Rhames is pretty ageless. He could probably play himself again. Yeah, sure. Maybe. And then, let's see. We've got a straight up rom-com with Pumpkin and Honey Bunny, but like Bonnie and Clyde style. So, mm-hmm. or like Thelma and Louise, if one of them was a dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of a crime drama thing, and at the end, they potentially go into the diner. Okay, um, pretty cool, yeah. Then we've got Christopher Walken in a POW camp. Mm-hmm. We're going way back Way back now. to the on today, isn't it? Exactly. So this is the one where we need to cast it. I need a young Christopher Walken and a young Bruce Willis's dad. A young Bruce Willis's dad? Bruce Willis? That must be Bruce Willis. <laughs> no, because his dad would have to be... Because it's not way back, but it's a bit back. So someone who's like in their 30s or something? Or? Yeah, 30s. 30s would do, I think. Dress code and love it. Yeah, it makes obvious. It's a lazy yeah. man's choice, but age him up a bit more from French Rocky. Yeah, oh, no, that would still work actually. Yeah. Just eight, just looking like he does from yeah, that would work. All right, what about a young Christopher Walken? Oh God, that's tough. What's that Skarsgård fella's first name? Maybe him. Oh yeah, Alexander Skarsgård. That could work. He's kind of creepy looking. Yeah, and obviously the watch is a big MacGuffin mm-hmm. in this film. But Alexander Skarsgård really worked. I think that. Yeah, I think we might have landed on that. Yeah. Sure. I don't know which Skarsgård that is. The one from It. No, that's Bill. Seen that's it. Bill. Oh, that bill, maybe that one then. Yeah, I think that's what we mean. Yeah. Okay, cool. I know, is it Stellan Skarsgård? Stellan Skarsgård is the dad. He's, yeah, he's, he's the older one. Yeah. He's the one who's in Mamma Mia. And, he's, uh, not, he's not Thor. He's uh, in Thor. I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not actually Thor. So yeah, we got a POW camp situation. So that would be intense. We get Christopher Nolan to direct it, maybe. Do it <laughs> Dunkirk style. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not all in the POW camp, but they end up in the POW camp. Mm-hmm. Sure. Kind of thing. Obviously, part of my thing here is that I haven't really planned this out very well. Much sure. like most attempts at expanded universes. <laughs> then, okay, so we got Harvey Keitel doing a uh, bottle film. So it's just one mission. It's filmed similar to, like, A Dread, for instance, where it's almost all from his perspective, almost all exactly chronological. So the events of the movie take two hours, mm-hmm. just like the movie does, all from Harvey Keitel's point of view. Mm-hmm. And again, that could be Harvey Keitel himself doing it now, because it could be just later from Pulp Fiction. And then we've got uh, the drug dealer guy does a Breaking Bad type thing. Mm-hmm. We see him on the run from the cops and all the rest and mm-hmm. setting up his little empire. And my favourite, not my favourite idea necessarily, I think my favourite idea is Bora Bora Balboa, but my, my favourite one in terms of what would be a good one to watch. I need a name for this and I would probably need to recast it, but Vincent going on an assassination mission of some kind. Or possibly... Taking on the mob. Wouldn't Vincent like Bruce Willis? No, it's John Travolta. John Travolta. John Travolta. So Vincent, maybe he has a family. Maybe he has a kid and his wife's already died of something terrible and sad. And he's got a kid. 
and the kid dies due to a mafia thing. And he is like ex-special services or something like that. This he sounds a lot like the beginning of Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for the other character. Yeah. So, uh, was he Nicolas Cage so the whole time? He's Doesn't Nicolas Cage kill John Travolta's kid? This isn't yeah. a crossover with Face Off. That's no. purely coincidence. Okay. But yeah, he's somehow trained. He knows his weaponry or something like that. And his kid gets mixed. It's actually the beginning of the Punisher as well. Yeah. Uh, but his kid gets mixed up in a in like an accidental gunfight between a, with a mob or in a robbery or something. And he decides he's going to try and get some vengeance and blows the crap out of a huge amount of mob stuff. Vincent's vengeance. Vincent's vengeance. Ooh, mm, that's good. Yeah. And then, either partway through or kind of as part of the ending, he's managed to murder his way through a whole bunch of this mob. And it turns out that that was Marcellus's rivals. He just opened up L.A. for Marcellus to take over. Mm. And Marcellus ends up walking on him after he's just finished murdering everyone. And he's about to blow his own head off because he's got nothing left to live for. And Marcellus mm-hmm. stops him and says, I think I can give you something to live for. Uh, and that's and he gives him a new calling. Okay. And that's how he ends up going to Amsterdam for like a long time. Mm. Disassociate himself from America for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's how he ends up being the guy in Europe for Marcellus's mm. mob crew. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, okay. Quite pleased with that. I think that could be a good film. You, well. I think you, you've set out a very compelling expanded universe there. Yeah. Thank you. And that, that was the 10th one. So, yeah. Vincent's Did you just use the word compelling against Ross? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That means <laughs> bad. That <laughs> means like you did something. Um, it's definitely a thing. <laughs> All right, well, I hope you enjoyed my uh, Worlds of Pulp Fiction Extended Dark Universe anthology. I did. Hmm. Bold. Bold. <laughs> Harry's not committing to it. <laughs> hey, if Sony can pitch Strong, that, if Sony compelling. can pitch Spider-Man universe, then I can pitch a Pulp Fiction universe. <laughs> okay, so I guess that makes it my turn. That leaves you. So this week, I rather than come up with one big idea, I've done three small ideas. Which oh, can none of us just yeah. decide on one idea? So 15 sequel ideas. Oh. I'm sorry, but it was... I'll, I'll whiz through them, I'll whiz through them. How dare you? Oh, <laughs> All right. Okay, so the first idea isn't actually a sequel or a prequel or a spin-off. It is the exact same movie, but rescored with different musical score. Ooh. Because one of the things that makes this movie so notable is it has this very cool retro 60s kind of soundtrack mm. kind of score. Is it everything but remixed by the Black Eyed Peas? No, but close. Okay, cool. Because like, I nearly did that. that yeah, I, <laughs> that would work as well. Like the dance is like, I got a feeling. Well, also like the, the, the opening credits music yeah. is the backing music to pump it. Oh, yeah. That's true because yeah. it samples it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, it's the whole song is that well, same it, music. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, the, with them singing on the top. That, that, that might be better. I'm just imagining like that cold open with Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer and then it goes boom, boom, pow. <laughs> or uh, what's that really bad black AP? Well, as if there's just one. Um, my humps, my humps, my lovely lady lumps. Like, oh, dear yeah. God, yeah. Not that, but close. So no, shut my... up, just shut up, shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up, just, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of bad Oh, God, there. I love them so much, but they're so awful. <laughs> No, my idea is that instead of 60s songs, the soundtrack is entirely made up of 90s pop hits. Okay. Like, because it's oh, contemporary to the time. Right. It's a 90s film. I'm really trying to think of what songs would work for you to see. So the infamous dance sequence, I'm imagining Uma Thurman and John Travolta, because it's kind of a slow dance they do, and it's very, like, sultry. Yeah. So I'm thinking that scene, they get up, and it's a, oh, that she wants, here's another baby. Oh, that She's works. She's gone tomorrow, boy. <laughs> oh, that she wants, here's another baby. Whoa. Please don't sue us. That, I'm thinking... When they go back to Uma Thurman's apartment and they're dancing and they're all drunk, it could be the Macarena. 
Classic. Mm. And then he wouldn't start heroin to get away from the Macarena. Um, <laughs> I can't remember any other big musical stings in the film, but yeah, other songs I'm thinking include it. Obviously, Wannabe by the Spice Girls needs to be in there somewhere. Yeah. And uh, Sailor V by Bewitched as well. Just, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe Sailor V plays in the gimp scene, just to make it even more creepy and oh. sinister. Like, like imagine they go down, they go downstairs. Wait, can you have two become one by Spice Girls Could during do. that scene? Oh yeah, during the oh <laughs> during yeah. the rapes. Yikes! But yeah, because um, <laughs> be a little bit wiser, baby. Put it on, put it on. Oh, and he puts the gimp suits on. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I just realised how how terrible that idea was. Then. Like it, like it. Yeah. Oh no. So that was basically it. Just exact same film, just with a different score. That's cool. Okay, yeah. My second idea is actually quite similar to yours, Ross. I know I said before we started recording that there's no way we'd cross over, but this isn't a million miles away and we've had some similar ideas. Because my second idea is a film as a series of... Like this film is like a series of vignettes. It's it's three or four short movies. Yeah. This is a series of short prequel movies that shows how some of the various couplings from the original film got together. So kind of rom-commy then? Some rom-commy, we'll see. Because it felt like there were a lot of couples in this film, some romantic, some just as friends that you would think, how do these guys get to know each other? Like, how did this relationship begin? So this is an attempt to explain that. So the first one, and this is very similar to one you did, actually, is uh, Uma Thurman and Ving Rhames. Yeah. Uma Thurman, a young Uma Thurman. I don't know who he'd cast as he... I mean, I'm not going to ask you to recast all of these because it takes you long. (laughs) But essentially, a young Uma Thurman in her early 20s, Jennifer Lawrence or something, who knows, is an aspiring actress newly arrived in LA, and she meets Ving Rhames at some kind of party. And it is actually just a sweet romantic comedy about two misfits who bond over their love of 60s music and uh, weird architecture. Because I don't know if you noticed, but in the scene when John Travolta and Uma Thurman go back to the apartment and get drunk and dance, in the background there's like a sculpture of a man sitting in a chair like this. Oh yeah, it's weird. And it's so weird. Did you notice that too? No, I missed it. It's so bizarre. That is a generally weird flat. It is a very... The, uh, the decor in that flat is very... It, uh, yeah. I had a lot of questions. But the main thing about this is I want this to be like a classic rom-com in the vein of like when Harry met Sally or Sleepers in Seattle. Yeah. It's very talky and quirky because I want to see Ving Grahams playing against type. Like, you know, yeah. Ving Grahams in this film and also in the Mission Impossible series. He generally doesn't get to talk but she's just he's like... Got he's got a few good monologues in this one. That's pride fucking with you. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he has a bit in this but like yeah. he always has to play that kind of slow talking kind of like, you know, yeah. intimidating. Absolutely. I would love it if like when he's not gangstering he's just like really quirky and offbeat and kind yeah. of... Yeah. Oh, could this... And neurotic. Like he's like he a Billy Crystal type. Yeah. yeah. Could he occasionally have to deal with phone calls and like he leaves the room because he doesn't want to gangster it up? Well, this Mia? is the thing. Yeah, he's playing. He's living a double life. So yeah. yeah. So she meets Ving Grahams as this kind of very quick-witted, quippy, kind of quirky, you know, interesting character, yeah. and they have all this great romantic comedy dialogue and stuff. And then it only it's only like three quarters of the way through the film she realizes that he's actually also a notorious mob boss on the side. Yeah. And then she has to deal with like, oh god, can I still be with but, this person? Uh, and we know that she obviously is okay with that. Yeah. And he folds her into his real life. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's re- I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I want to give like levels to Ving Rhames. I want to give him some layers to play. <laughs> he's a good actor. He's great. I I'd really like, to like some chances. Yeah. He's always a good time. Okay, so that's one. So my second pairing is John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. This is about two young men who are both drifting through life in LA and are both very insecure about their premature male pattern baldness. (laughs) And uh, they meet in a wig shop (laughs) when they both reach for the same toupee. It's like that's the meet cute. Their hands meet in a... Which toupee though? That's the question. It's the Jerry Curl toupee that that, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's wearing. Okay. So he wins. Yeah. John Travolta wearing it. Well, that's it. They argue over it. (laughs) Uh, Samuel L. Jackson wins the argument. 
And then he takes the toupee over to the mirror and he puts it on and he's like, mm, it doesn't really work. But he's like, he keeps it on despite John Travolta. He's mm. like, fuck it. No, I've, I've won this argument. I'm going to win this toupee. I'm going to style it out. And yeah, he keeps it on and he wears it and he buys it out of spite. But the two of them, through this kind of little meet cute, they develop a sort of bickering friendship kind of based on this terrible secret they both have about their early baldness and their, their love of wigs and also a mutual love of cheap burgers. Yeah. So they bond over that. And they become very good friends. They become best friends. And at some point, they meet up with Ving Rhames. The two stories collide. And then they fall into the crime scene and the mm. storylines converge. That's cool. That's number two. Number three is Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. Oh, yeah. At this point, these two are both weird theatre kids who've come to LA to kind of crack into the acting scene. Ooh, I like it. They're both terrible hipsters who think they're really talented. But actually, they're both terrible <laughs> at acting. Uh, they fail all of their auditions. So they decide to put on their own production of a play about Bonnie and Clyde. So in order to do some method acting, they decide to conduct some of their own robberies, ah. which leads to what happens. They soon realise they're much better at being criminals than they are at being actors, but they're all still doing it in character. Yeah. So that's why they're both so weird, especially Honey Bunny, because you know, she goes from like... She flips. You know, yeah. She flips characters. So it's like, oh, you need to get into character, Honey oh, Bunny. that's cool. So then that's why when she jumps in, she's sort of like, yeah, now I'm playing this crazy bitch. Now it's like, any motherfucker who moves, I'm going to blow their heads off. Like, <laughs> it's a little bit with nail and eye, actually. Yeah, totally. So she, that's why she's, she's an actress. She's playing a role. So, yeah. yeah. Number four of five. I'm getting there. Butch and Fabienne. All I've got from this is that their prequel is their love story. Mm. It's exactly the same as that awful plot strand in Love Actually, where... <laughs> Butch goes to France to get over an awful breakup and ends, oh. up, and ends up seducing the help against her will. <laughs> um, she doesn't understand what's going on, but she learns English as they romance. But she remains deeply afraid of him, and that's why in the Pulp Fiction universe, yeah. she's kind of tentative and terrified of him because he's just this weirdo who turned up, basically kidnapped her, taught her a bit of English. You're and, writing Butch pretty horrible here, are you? Yeah, I didn't didn't care for Butch. Oh, Liked Bruce Willis's performance. Character, not so much. Yeah. And finally, Zed, Maynard, and the Gimp. In this film, I'm crossing it over with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Great. Because apparently, I didn't pick this up in the film, but apparently Zed and Maynard, I think Maynard runs the pawn shop and Zed is the police officer slash security guard slash stripper mm-hmm. who rapes him in graves. Yeah. They're supposed to be brothers, apparently. Okay, cool. So in my story, they're brothers and also occasional lovers. They are the McPoyles. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. This is pre-Philadelphia, so they're in LA and they open a pawn shop together but they end up murdering most of their customers and they end up hiring a store assistant to help out to do some overtime mm. who's a very lovely mild-mannered young man who just wants to earn a few extra dollars on the weekend mm-hmm. oh no but they ultimately mm-hmm. manage to turn him in, through bullying and sexual abuse and conversion they end up converting him into the gimp that we meet and there's the whole oh, film just following how they torment this poor guy until he is just the gimp that we see in Pulp Fiction and then it ends with obviously the Pulp Fiction sequence of events happens they get horribly injured, but they actually both survive. Somehow recover from their wounds, get away from Ving Rhames. Sorry, how do they both survive? It's a stretch, but just go with me. Oh, okay. And then the film ends with them making their way to Philadelphia and making some new enemies in a downtown bar in Philadelphia. Okay, cool. So one of them has lost his crotch. Yeah. The other to one a shotgun blast. Yes. The other the other one has been sliced open and then stabbed. Yeah. That's why they're so angry all the time. The poils are not happy people. No. True. True. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Whatever whatever works for you. I don't see them getting away from Ving Rhames, though. He's standing there with a shotgun. And he's got a bunch of friends. We don't see it. It's dramatic license. They they overpower him. They kill him. They leave. They flee. Oh, shoot. Yeah, maybe kill the main character. Maybe the one who's been stabbed. Like, you know, he's still alive, but Ving Rhames thinks he's dead. He He, he gets the upper hand somehow. Gets a gun. The Poils do often manage to, you know, claw victory back from the jaws of defeat. That's true. 
So my so that was my second idea, a sequence of prequels. My third idea is uh, set in a post-apocalyptic America of the future, in which the planet Earth has become virtually uninhabitable, and the young people can only distract themselves by hooking into a virtual reality mass RPG known as the Oasis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any bells? This, yeah, this sounds um, completely original. Yeah, because <laughs> this is based on the idea that so obviously it's Ready Player One. Obviously, spoiler, really? spoiler. <laughs> it but, was either that or the Truman Show. Yeah. So. this is based on the fact that Quentin Tarantino films are very referential. Yeah, he likes to reference other mediums. So in this one, it's kind of a side call to Pulp Fiction and also Ready Player One. And our her- our heroine in this film is a goffy-looking Irish girl in her early twenties. Oh, okay. <laughs> Unlike many of the players, she has no interest in chasing, in winning any challenges or chasing any golden eggs or, you know, taking over the company. She just wants to get high and find classic movie reference characters that will help her to get high. So she's just wandering around the whole pop culture universe, just getting high in classic movie scenes. <laughs> so basically all of this is for, is this is a very basic idea, is that, because obviously this is based on the scene in Pulp Fiction where yes. Emma Thurman gets the adrenaline needle stuck And she's just in the background. Yes. So what other classic movie scenes would be improved by having a random stoned Irish girl staring with amusement in the background oh, and not well, saying about, anything. Okay, well, about half of Withnail and I yeah. for a start. So we can use that again. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you guys, but it, it, these are some of mine, and then I'll ask you guys for your ideas. So I had the Shining, the baseball bat scene, all work and no play. Just imagine that, but with this Irish girl just like getting really high, just like, what the fuck? <laughs> all of the flashback scenes in Forrest Gump. <laughs> so she's not necessarily in... Scenes where getting where the other characters are getting high or anything. She's just she's just getting high and watching them. Yeah, in the, oh okay. because she doesn't the thing in because the characters don't interact with no. her. then. because at no point in the Pulp Fiction scene does any other character acknowledge she exists. She's oh, just in the, the early in an early scene do, she has yeah. a line, but in the in the main I see scene what you mean. Okay. she's just sat there. So I'm just thinking classic movie scenes, but just in the background you just see a random Irish girl who's dressed in different clothes who's just. Got a massive bong who just looks like what? the opening okay. scene of Saving Private Ryan. Very yes. good, very good. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the Battle of the Pelennor Fields in Return of the King. Thanos' snap in Infinity War. Yeah, that could work. Would she disappear? No, no. Okay. <laughs> She's just like, what's going on? Uh, I had Empire Strikes Back, the I Am Your Father scene. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, I had the end of It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Just because it's black and white, but just in the background. Just <laughs> I'm going to say uh, James Bond, one of the earlier films where he forced himself on a woman and uh, she's in the background now. No, can, nice. can I put her in train spotting in any of the drug taking scenes? Yes. That fits perfect. quite nicely. Mm-hmm. I had the climax of 2001 A Space Odyssey with the floating baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that works. And my final one was that scene in Downfall where Hitler goes on the big rant. You know that one? Oh, <laughs> <before>? yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say in um, Inception, near mm-hmm. the end, when they start. Jumping out of each dream section. She's yeah. in everyone. Like oh, it, yeah. uh, Pacific Rim, the bits where you're inside the Jaeger head and the two people are in the suit, synchronised running or synchronised fighting or whatever. She's mm-hmm. just sat in the back of the head, just watching the guys fight running around. Gravity, when Sandra Bullock gets into the uh, in, into that shuttle and it's her and then George Clooney joins her for a brief and moment. she's in the seat in the back. Um, yes, yeah, yeah she's there. The funny thing is she's never got to... In, no one else ever has to notice her. Oh, yeah, of it's course. It's always just that she's in the yeah. background just looking like, what the fuck? Oh, um, uh, end of Planet of the Apes. You did it! You blew it up! Yeah, yeah. And she's just sat there next to Charlton Heston just getting high. <laughs> Perfect. Anyone? Oh, she sat in the passenger seat of the DeLorean every time Marty jumps through time. Mm-hmm. Titanic. She's all that bit of debris. She's <laughs> standard. 
I'm trying to think of scenes where the oh, point... she's on the iceberg. She's on the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> she is the iceberg. <laughs> I, I saw a cartoon recently, and I wish I could credit it because I can't remember who did it. But it was um, Titanic would have been a victorious movie if it was from the point of view of the penguins on the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apollo thirteen. She's on the moon. <laughs> like it. Yeah. Yeah. A- any scene where the point is that it's supposed to be empty and lonely. So the Martian. The she's Martian. Head. She's yep. there on yep. Mars. The she, she's time. always there. She's always following around Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What other like really isolating movies out there where there's only one character? Big part. Castaway. One. Castaway. She's Wilson. She's Wilson. She's Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Oh. <laughs> there you go. You get the gist. Okay, I, th- I think we've done it. Perfect. I think, I think we've, we've, we've nailed that, that one. Yeah. So those are my sequel ideas. Yeah. Uh, so what was that? Uh, an anthology from you, an anthology from Harry, ten films from me, and an extra three films from you two between. Yeah. Well, basically, dude, that's a lot we, of we ideas. We took the Tarantino style to its natural conclusion. <laughs> okay. So, should we get some listener submissions? Yeah, I've got a bunch actually. Oh, okay. Do you want hey. to start them? So Harry Edward Ware says Bruce Willis has PTSD from the events, and it drives him insane over the course of many years. Till one day he finally snaps and starts killing people at a pop tart factory, also wearing the gimp suit from the first film. Why a Pop-Tart factory? It's just what was that? Okay. Just what was that? Creative I like direction. Yeah. Creative direction, okay. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Dante Pinnell? Oh, I've seen him on Facebook so many times that I've never had to say his name out loud. I'm sure um, he'll correct you. I've had that before. They'll correct, if, if they hear it, they'll correct you on a future episode. Yeah. Hmm. So, I legitimately want a sequel following Samuel Jackson's character. Maybe he starts seeing Travolta's character and just talking to him like they do in the first film. But secretly, he's going insane. And that's why he's seen Travolta when Travolta's actually dead. Ooh, a bit of a Fight Club or Slash Sixth Sense kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Wait, hang on. Could he also be seeing Butch's character? And it turns out he's dead. He says... Um, you could kind of play it two ways. Like, one would be Travolta is following him around and torturing him because Sam knows he's dead. Or you could do it where Sam Jackson's just chatting with Travolta, but there's under- undertones of insanity. Oh, both good, yeah. Both work. If it turns out Bruce Willis was dead all along, though. Um, yeah, that'd be a good tie-in, yeah. <laughs> uh, Luke Croson says a sequel called Science Fiction and Samuel L. Jackson is a robot. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Science Fiction. I like yeah, It's good, isn't it? I like that a lot. <laughs> Matt Dalthorpe says, fan fiction, a spiritual sequel, drawing from erotic fanfic tropes instead of pulp tropes. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, well, I like it. Specifically erotic, though. It couldn't just be regular fan fiction. It has to be erotic fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. It's the only kind we're talking about. I mean, I'm not going to uh, suggest your idea is wrong for that. In fact, if anything, it's better. <laughs> uh, there's one every week. So uh, Tommy O'Hara says, here's my idea. Don't do it. <laughs> Sure. There's always somebody. I've said that before about previous ones you've suggested. I mean, it's the point of the podcast, but yeah, yeah. go on. Uh, Mark Reed, new Patreon member, by the way, um, says uh, Fox Force 5 movie. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Why has that not been made? 100%, yeah. I mean, it sort of has. Has it? Kill Bill. Has it? Or well, Charlie's Angels. They, I mean, the Fox Force 5 are the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. Oh, uh, yeah. Some minor tweaks. That's very true, actually. You know, there's one who's deadly with edge weapons, which is uh, Vanita Green, mm-hmm. the woman with the knife in the kitchen. I, I mean, I think the other ones were deadly with explosives and stuff, so it didn't quite match up, and obviously one of them's a dude. Yeah. But it's pretty similar. So it's sort of been made. Okay. Near but it's a cool film. idea. I would still yeah. definitely watch a Fox Force 5 film oh, yeah, if they definitely. did it straight up the way Uma described it. 
Yeah. Okay, Sam Jackson. Oh, sorry, uh, Griffin Edwards. <laughs> Sam Jackson says, <laughs> um, I Sam, love your films. Thank you for uh, listening. Um, Sam Jackson, Walking the Earth, like Kane in Kung Fu. Sure. Does that mean anything to anybody? That was quite definitely one of mine. Was okay. it? That's literally what I called it in my Did notes. You copy like this? Kane from Kung Fu. Damn you, Ross. Okay. Well done. It's a good, um, good idea. Thank you very much. Callum Sagar says, The highs and lows of a big kahuna burger employee at the drive-thru serving every other character from the original film. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Kind of like clerks, you can get Kevin Smith to do it. Yeah. yeah. Fraser Hosey says, multiple shorts of the Gimp's daily life. <laughs> nice, yeah. I would appreciate that. Yeah. Austin Cummins, this one's interesting, says, uh, John Travolta acting as an ambassador of Marcellus Wallace for the crime get-together in France. Maybe use the European settings to draw connections to Inglorious Bastards, i.e. Shoshana's story. Shoshana's? She's the cinema owner, I think, who explodes the place Ah, uh, Yes. Yeah, that's the list of submissions I've got. John, okay, you cool. Got? So over to some of mine. Uh, if you want a drinking game for this one, again, I would just go for puns. Puns. Okay. Yeah. So well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a couple down already, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You need Fan to fiction, science fiction. Yeah. Uh, so Remy Dobbs said, Pulp Fact. <laughs> good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Just a documentary. Yeah. Uh... Tom Brennan said, Pulp Nonfiction. Mm. Yeah. A second documentary. I nearly did that one, but then I thought... It's going to be way too difficult because I've got to draw a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Tough. Jacques Granger said, Pulp Fiction, but the T is a two. Oh, pulp. that's good. Ah, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Shin. <gasps> Make it a cartoon. Could be, yeah. Oh, no. No, no, no stop it. No. I'm casting it as Simpsons characters. <laughs> Matt Moscal said, Perf Piction. It's a crossover of the Pitch Perfect franchise. Oh, right. Uh, well, like, Perth picture is in, like, Perth, the Australian city. No, no, no. Perth is in Perfect Pitch. Okay, cool. Pitch Perfect. Perth Perfect picture. Picture, yeah. Becca and the Barden Bellas, which is the a cappella team. I know. Pitch I have Perfect. seen the first and the third one. You are uh, so both. in a relationship with a woman. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What am I saying? Like, yeah. this, this girlfriend, bad news for us. <laughs> uh, I love you, Mel. They're so good films. I really enjoyed them both. I need to watch the second one now. Great. Well, Becca and the Barden Bellas, the Pitch Perfect band, Reunite for one last performance at Marseilles and Mia Wallace's anniversary party. Yeah. So it crosses over. Like, imagine the Pitch Perfect girls performing at, like, a big gangland anniversary party. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike Carey, Pulp Fiction 2. Just what is the wolf's deal? <laughs> <laughs> Hoover Wind says, Jules's wife, Samuel L. Jackson's wife, has been killed by the bride in front of their daughter. It's a lone wolf and cub kind of deal. Yeah. So that's good. So imagine the... Re- what did you say the character was called? Uh, Renita Green. Renita Green. I imagine she's married to Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. He comes home and finds that her his wife has been brutally murdered by the bride, who he knew from a past life when she was Mia Wallace. Uh, it all ties together. That does tie together quite nicely. <laughs> yeah. It does. It assumes that they happen very, like, a year after each other. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of smudgy oh, of timeline. Nice but... but yeah, that smudge the timelines, but that's good. Yeah. I like that. He'd have to retrain as a doctor. He would, yeah. True. For that to make sense. Yeah. Maybe he's already a doctor. He might be. You don't know You don't know his life. You know his past, too. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Or maybe he just tells his wife he's a doctor, but actually he's a hitman. <laughs> Perfect. He's leading a double life and he's overcome with and guilt when she gets murdered. Yeah. He's accidentally married a woman who's also a leading hitman. Leading a double life, yeah. Tr- it's like Mr. and Mrs. Him. Smith meets the Pulp Fiction franchise. Yes! Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, this is probably my personal favourite. Uh, Francesco Benincasa said, Young adult fiction. <laughs> <laughs> A group of impossibly good-looking teen vampires in post-apocalyptic Portland are searching for a mythical briefcase. <laughs> oh, dear. I love that. Adult fiction, I like that That's great. Yeah. Uh, Connor Cruyhan said, Stranger Than Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Stranger Than Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Rob, well, there are a lot of puns this week. Uh, it's, it's a punny week. It's a punny, mm-hmm. punny week. Uh, Rob Farnham said, less pulp fiction, please. Takes place in an orange grove. <laughs> uh, Jacob Hill has no title, but he just says, it's a series of vignettes of guys trying to explain the appeal of pulp fiction on first dates. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Mac- first in pulp fictions. First in pulp fictions, yeah. The unpulpable? No, no, it doesn't work. The unpulpables. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Cook says, Julius wanders the earth until he meets Captain Marvel. Clearly. <laughs> that works. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Someone's watched the trailer. Yeah. Dennis Fanning says, Pulp Friction. Just a, bu- <laughs> oh, a, a bunch of st- I'm not liking this. No. Just, no, he just said more stories that don't go smoothly. Okay. Oh, oh, smoothly. Oh, I see that. That's, that, that, that's, that's better. That was a that's Ross level That was a very... That's my favourite. That's not Ross level. That's above Ross. That's way above me. Yeah. I would never have thought that one. Pulp Fiction, I barely knew her. Oh, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really work. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I got your shit pun wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Easy now, guys. Will Buckingham just says Zombie Vince, which I actually think... It's a small idea. It would work really well because that would be a very good way to account for the way John Travolta currently looks. <laughs> like if you were to recast it, let's say Vince was killed but raised as a zombie and he's been a zombie for like 20 years and he's, you know, yeah. he's a bit more Shambling rusted. around the place. Because that's because he's had so much plastic surgery. No offence, John Travolta, but it's true. Like, he does just look... It's not like he looks old. He just looks weird. Like, he just looks like... He could, he does, he could definitely are, pass as a decomposed there version. There are certain so. actors where you think you've had so much work done that you look... You you haven't successfully aged well, but if you yeah. just not done the work, you'd be fine. You would have aged very well. I mean, in a previous episode, I have described John Travolta as a man who looks like he's built by a three D printer. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good. I like that. Melissa Becker, Pulp Fiction. Uh, Sorry, rem- pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. A remake of Pulp Fiction, but with dogs. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 I, mean, uh, I hate it, but yeah. Yeah. Brando Calrissian said, uh, "Pulp Niction." The same movie, but all the characters are played by Nicolas Cage. Pulp Niche. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Okay, over to Twitter. Uh, Cinema Recall, at Cinema underscore Recall, says, look, all I want to see is the pilot episode of Fox Force 5. There yeah. we go. Popular In which I'm, which I'm sure inspired the Deadly Vipers from Kill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Called it. It will be a very cliched 70s cinema, Charlie's Angels meets Mission Impossible meets Kung Fu meets Josie and the Pussycats kind of thing. <laughs> oh, there would also definitely be the word intermission would pop up on screen with extreme technicolor going Absolutely. at you at least once, like he does in Kill Bill, I think. Mm-hmm. And the Monty Python boys do at least six times in one of their films. Yep. We Watch Anything, at We Watch Anything, also had Pup Fiction, as in the dog version. Uh, Vincent Vega is an Afghan hound. Jules is a Bedlington Terrier. Mia Wallace is a Borzoi. Butch is a boxer, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and Marcellus Wallace is a bulldog. And the case is filled with flea powder. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Easy Riders Raging Podcast at ERR Podcast. Pulp Semi-Fiction. Quentin Tarantino reimagines the history of Sheffield band Pulp. <laughs> <laughs> Taking some liberties along the way. Expect blood and guns, dancing, and no one ever wearing any shoes. Oh, and of course, Jarvis Cocker flashing his bum at Michael Jackson. <laughs> Tim Ryan at Tim Ryan sixty five just wants to do a prequel about how Marcellus obtained the briefcase in the first place. Mm. It definitely is a valid film. And finally, Blokebusters at Blokebusters, Jules just wants a new start in life. This is Samuel L. Jackson. He leaves his job, changes his names, and goes into law enforcement. Then one day he has an assignment to protect some stupid kid on a plane. But if it wasn't for those damn snakes. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, very good. I was I was half expecting him to be shaft, but no, it's snakes, snakes on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. Pulled the rug out for me on that one. Yeah. So before you get onto your spiel that signifies the end of the show, mm. let's do the friends game. Well, I was going to okay. say, is Ross desperately waiting to leave? Because we can do that after. If you quick, friends okay. game. Can you Ross, the friends as game? Marcellus Wallace, Phoebe as Mia. No, Rachel is Mia. You're, you're really rushing through this. Uh, who else? Um, John Travolta. John Travolta's got to be... Well, both Chandler and Jerry have like... They've um, got to be those two. Yeah. yeah, Chandler and Jerry is those two. That works. Jerry is John Travolta, Chandler. I feel is. like Jerry is John Travolta, Chandler is Samuel yeah. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah sure. uh, Monica is Marcellus. Puppet master, organising everything. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That fits. And uh, then who are we missing? Rachel is... Rachel, so Rachel's Mia Wallace and then Sophia... Oh, wait, is, hang on. No, I, I put... Is uh, Phoebe Ross the is, I put Ross as Marcellus Wallace, so Mia could be... No, oh, I meant... Oh, yeah, I think Phoebe... Did you say Phoebe? Did you say Rachel? What did you say? Rachel Azuma Furman? Yeah. In which case, Ross's Marcellus works quite well. So Ross's being Rachel. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, in that case, Monica is Butch. Monica's Butch, okay. The boxer. Yeah. So who's, who's Phoebe? Uh, good question. The drug dealer. Yeah. That works. There you go. Sure. Boom. Friends game over. Great. <laughs> Woo! We've run long. We'll just do it quickly this week. Um, <laughs> Okay, so those were our sequel ideas for Pulp Fiction. If you have any sequel ideas or prequel ideas or spin-off ideas for Pulp Fiction, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all the podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set on Twitter. And we have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set. And we also have merchandise available on tpublic.com. Just search Beyond the Box Set. And, and next week. And mine and Ross's podcast. Sorry, do go on. Yeah. Um, is uh, Two Geeks, Two Movies. Yeah. Um, that one is Two Geeks, Two Movies on all good social medias. Not what I normally say, Social but, 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 but whatever. That's yeah, fine. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else that you manage. I don't yeah. know. Just those three. And um, we're also available on all good podcasting platforms um, as well. Just have a search for Two Geeks, Two Movies. I'm sure you'll find us. Our most recent episode will have come out yesterday. That will be Treasure Island 1950, Muppet Treasure Island, and Treasure Planet. We compare the three movies. We get John on. Three Geeks, it's, Three Movies. It's, it's the uh, crossover event of the century. Woo! It, 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 it's a wild time, uh, believe me. <laughs> um, what a time to be alive. Yes. Yeah, so please please uh, go and have a look for that episode now that you've finished this one. It's it's worth it. It's, yeah. It's, it's we're, we're very funny and full of good ideas. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll probably enjoy that one, yeah? Yeah, because it's the same three people. If you haven't worked same that one out. same dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same three of us and we talk about films yeah. for longer than we wanted to, but I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah. Alright, next week on Beyond the Box Set, what have we got? We are beginning our Halloween season for 2018. Oh, is that that time of the year already? That Ooh, time of year already. So last year, we did The Season of the Witch. We did four movies based about witches. This season, we are doing... Actually, last year we did three. Did we? Yeah. I don't okay. know why. We only did three, though. Okay, well, nevertheless, last we, season's... La- last year, we got it wrong. We got it wrong. This year, we're getting it right. Yeah, we did a full month. So last season was the season... Last October was the season of The Witch. And this October is the season of The Wolf. Ooh. We are doing four movies based around werewolves. And we're going to start with a Patreon episode mm-hmm. featuring one of our Patreon subscribers, Daniel Tickner, mm-hmm. who has suggested an anime movie, our very first anime movie, called Wolf Children. So next week, we'll be kicking off our Halloween wolf season with the movie Wolf Children. So yeah. tune in for that. Well, I can't wait. Me neither. Until then, yeah, as I I'm, mentioned. I'm really liking this idea. Oh, Ross. 
That's me out. I'm done. Cool. Okay. okay thanks well, for thanks us. for coming. <laughs> thanks, Ross. Uh, yeah. So tune in next week for Wolf Children. And thank, well, thank you, Ross, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I was going to say, would you like to plug anything? We've already thoroughly we've, plugged. We've plugged the heck out of two geeks, two movies, True. and the concept of juggling. So. True. Yes. And also, yeah. It's was it Ross Burton Circus Artist? That's the one. If you want to. Dot com. Dot com. If you would like to hire a juggler yeah. in the West Yorkshire area. Uh, also, if you're interested to find out who designed uh, most of my uh, flyers and business cards, it's uh, it's Harry. So if you need any flyers or business cards designed, go to hcdipstall.co.uk. Oh, what a great bit of cross promotion this episode has been. I mean, cross promotion, collusion. Yeah. You know. <laughs> hey, at least we're above board with it. You that. know, you said it's a crossover event of the, the century, whatever yeah. it was. It's Ross Burton Circus Artist and HD Digital. That's, that's the crossover. That's the crossover. Yeah. That's a good point. Cool. So, yep. Yeah, join us next week for Wolf Children. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Thank Harry. You. And good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.